I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Fueling on your run and practicing water stops for race day. Races are great because they provide water cups that you can grab on the course without the need to carry water on you, unless you want to. It seems like that would make things easier for you on race day, but how do we expect to be able to race through these water stops on race day if we haven't practiced the skill during training? Today we're going to be talking all about practicing our water stops and our fueling strategy during our training. And so we're in the middle of summer right now and we're really just prepping for race day. And one of the things that's really important to remember is that race day is a little bit different than a lot of your training runs because there are going to be water stops set up um, for the most part, unless you're doing like an ultra that doesn't have hardly any aid stations or the aid stations and ultras are a little bit different. So we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But for most road marathons um a lot of people that we have are training for you know like the chicago marathon twin cities marathon new york all of those big road races they typically tend to have water stops at about every mile and there'll be volunteers standing there for i don't know it seems like there's usually about like 40 to 50 volunteers at least um, at these really big races standing there providing water cups and typically it's like the first 20 to 25 cups being handed out are usually um, the the electrolyte. So maybe that's going to be Powerade, Gatorade, um, whatever they're going to be serving on the course. I know noon has been a more popular option that some races are doing, like California International does that. Um, some of the Revel races do that. And then towards the end of the water stop, they start doing water. And so it'll be like the last 25 cups. Typically, I mean, that's just how it was maybe in the last couple marathons I've done. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes there's water on one side and Gator on the other side. So what's really important to know going into the race is, yeah, you can look online, but also just the first water stop you go through um, for your marathon. So maybe it's a mile like one or two or three just make sure you don't have your headphones in and be able to hear what are the volunteers saying because they're going to be shouting out whatever they have um, in their cups. So if the first couple of volunteers are shouting like Powerade, Powerade, or Gatorade, Gatorade, then you're like, okay, so the first couple cups are Gatorade. Just make sure you know kind of what you're picking up because I think the first couple of races I did, I thought it was just like this random arbitrary system, but really it's like a systemized thing. And almost um, all of the water stops. So if the first one is following this methodology, almost all of them are going to have a very similar 
approach throughout the rest of the race. And so that's why it's really important in that first one to kind of get a feel for what's going on. How big are these water stops, right? So we want to really feel things out. And I've done some smaller marathons where there weren't a lot of volunteers um, or just the volunteers were not, uh, you know, if there's only two or three people standing there and you miss a cup, you may have to prepare for the fact that, okay, it might be better to slow down um, a little bit more, maybe walk a step or two, grab the cup, because sometimes they have like young kids sitting there. So you really have to be conscious of all of these variables that are going to be happening at the the water tables. Uh, but I think this is something that we'll get into more because not everyone is going to want to be running through these water stations, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about that more later on in the podcast, but that gives you a little bit of a brief overview. Um, the three main topics we're going to talk about in this podcast is researching the course offerings. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can do that um, because we really want to have a plan, right, for what we're going to be doing on race day. I think that's step number one. Once you sign up for a race, let's start the research process. Then we're also going to be going into how are we during training. And so right now we're training for these races. How do we practice fueling on the run? so that we are going to have a great race day. And so we really wanna practice very similarly to what's going to happen for our race because we're training for this race. We don't wanna be using a bunch of products um, during training that we're not gonna have access to on race day. So that's something to keep in mind. And then we're gonna talk about putting it all together. How do you plan for this race? How do you have a successful race where fueling doesn't become this major stressor or this big mystery, right? So we're gonna put both of those together and figure out your race fueling plan. Um, so Jason, you're really good at the whole like logistical, researching what's offered on the course, that sort of thing. Um, that's something that I, like obviously you can go to the website to see what they offer, but what are some of the things that you do um, in your research process in terms of figuring out how you're gonna get your fuel on the course? Yeah, I really like how you broke this up into those three parts. And I think it's definitely good that we're talking about this one first because you have to know, first of all, what's going to be offered and when it's going to be offered, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of the ma major marathons, like you were saying, the bigger races, it's easy to find that on their website, right? They have like a, just like a beautiful chart, you know, created. And yeah. a lot of times it's like images and everything that shows you like where the, where everything would be along the course. Um, other other smaller races it might not be so easy right so you might have to do a little digging maybe email the race director or wait for your mm. race day kind of email that comes out with that information in it um, so you know you can assume that like you were saying a lot of the big races it's pretty much every mile or two um, the small races it might not it might be every 5k so um, it just kind of depends on the size of the race and how many years they've done it too right so if it's a fairly new race maybe you know you have to assume that um, they're going to be kind of working out the kinks as, as the years go by, right? So if it's a race like Chicago, it's been done year after year. Um, the support staff is amazing there, and there's tons of, like you were saying, volunteers at each at each station. Um, you can probably count on it to be really consistent. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, like you were saying, the water and then whatever the electrolyte beverages of choice that they're going to be serving, uh, kind of knowing what that is. And then if you're, if you want to practice with that same thing, I would recommend that. Um, a lot of times I've done races where, you know, when I was kind of younger, I was getting in the marathon. I, I wouldn't really look at what they're mm -hmm. serving on the course. I just assumed it was Powerade or Gatorade, right? <laughs> and then I first probably did a race that offered noon and it was something different, right? And I took that or even like Hammer. Hammer has like a, a electrolyte drink. And so 
um, I kind of got exposed to the differences and then I'm like, well, maybe I should start exploring what's out there. And then so I started with UCAN and all these different types. And so um, just kind of being aware of the different races and what they have and making sure you, you practice so that it's not a huge shock to your gut when you start consuming this on race day. Yeah, and I think back in the day, that was really common, right? It was pretty much always Powerade. Um, I don't know if that was like an early like 2000s thing or like a 2010 thing. Um, in those early 2010s, I don't know, what do they call that? Like the 10s, 2010s, in the 2010s. Yeah, um, yeah I think that was really popular. Uh, but now it's like there's so many more electrolyte drinks, and I think maybe there's like a sponsorship aspect that comes into play right. there. I'm not really sure. Um, I know CIM, they did Noon. And that's really interesting um, because I, I don't love Noon. And I knew going into the race that they were going to be providing Noon on the course. And I just didn't I didn't practice with it. And so it was really interesting after that marathon. I did that one in 2018. Um, I actually had like really bad cramps after. And I've never actually really cramped up to the point where, you know, like a Charlie horse sort of thing. So I had to um, take a bunch of like salt pills after the race but what's really interesting about that is on a subconscious level I think I was avoiding taking the electrolytes because I was like oh I don't really like noon where mm. if it was like a Powerade I've done right. prior to that I had done you know 15 16 marathons where like there was Powerade so I would just like down it because I know that it right. sits well with me so if you have this like weird um hang up about like what they're offering on the course this is something that's like really important to know and don't don't go into it thinking oh I'm not gonna I'm not going to use that or something because those electrolytes are super important. And luckily on that day at CIM, I was able to like finish the race before any of that cramping set in. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the weather was really ideal. There wasn't a lot of sun, uh, but had I had to go like two more miles, I would have been basically walking um, if I could have even yeah. done that at that point. But it's really important to get those electrolytes. And so if you're not getting them from whatever they're offering on the course, having like a salt stick, those sort of things, again, really great to be practicing and training. And that can be an option. So let's say you're kind of like me and you're like, oh, you know, I really can't take this Powerade or this noon, whatever they're offering on the course, then maybe it's a time to start thinking about, can someone be meeting me on the course to provide me my electrolyte mm -hmm. of choice or how else can I get these electrolytes? Right. Um, whether you're going to be getting it in your little gel packets or maybe you're going to be taking like a salt stick, that sort of thing. But this is how you're going to want to be practicing so that no surprises really come and hit you on race day. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. Just plan, you know, plan for another alternative. So that might be carrying little handheld water bottles with only your electrolyte in it or, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I know elites, they have like their water tables and right. a lot of them probably drink different variety of stuff that they like, right? So if you can have someone who's spectating meet you on just parts of the course, you know, plan that out ahead of time and know like, you know, know that you're going to be able to get it and then have a backup. Like what if they can't get to the next stop where you're going to plan to meet them? Um, what's going to kind of be your backup there, you know? So there's, especially at a big race, like a lot of times there can be traffic and there can be crowd issues and stuff. So people may not get to the next spot, you know? And so um, if it's a really small, tiny race, you probably don't have an issue and your, you know, your part partner, whoever is spectating can kind of drive to that next spot and give you what you need. But um, yeah, definitely something to think about. And, you know, that's kind of why I, um, the older I've gotten, I've realized like, hey, let's, whatever race I'm going to do, I'm going to look ahead of time and figure out what it is. And I'm going to make sure I train with that and make sure that if I don't like it, I come up with a different alternative. But uh, for the most part, I've been able to just take what's on the course um, as long as I'm used to getting it in training. Right, definitely. So practicing with it and then 
um, just knowing what's on the course. And I think that's step number one, right? So you can go to your race website, typically around like, you know, there'll be some tabs in there. You might have to do some digging around, but you'll be able to get to that picture where they show where the water stops are and what's kind of going to be located at all of these water stops. Um, typically, like the first uh, 18 miles of the race, it's going to be like every, usually at least every two to four miles, really just depending on like how big this race is. So the bigger the race is, um, the more frequent the water stops. So I, man, I, I don't even really remember and I don't want to quote any of this, but I feel like at Boston, it's like they're almost every mile. Maybe they are. I'm not sure. But at some of these smaller races that I've done, races where there's less than 100 finishers in the marathon, uh, you could be going probably like at least five miles without a water stop. So these are things to really be planning for. Um, in those events where maybe you're doing smaller races where you're just not going to see a water stop for five miles, um, you might want to adjust your strategy, right? So in that race that I did in the summer of 2021 was the last time I did a race like that. I obviously wanted to run like a fast time, but I had to adjust like how I was going to be fueling because I needed to be taking in more water since the water stops were more spread apart. So I basically would stop, walk through the water stop. Um, I would take a cup or two of water and just like chug it and then grab the Gatorade that they offered and start running with that cup. Um, so it's just really important that you know that that's going to affect how the fueling goes. So if the water stops are less frequent, we do want to make sure that we're really utilizing the ones that are there and that we are really stopping and taking the time to drink the water. Whereas if you're at a marathon where there's a water stop every one to two miles, you can really, well, especially if they're every mile, you can really get away with like doing a sip at every single stop basically. So just grabbing a cup, taking a sip and continuing running straight through it. Um, some people can really get away with that. Where if they're every two miles, you still wanna make sure that you're you're drinking adequate amounts. Um, one of the methods I like to do is like pinching the cup and then trying to drink that way. Cause otherwise it's like you're waterboarding yourself. You're just like spraying it in your face. Um, sometimes I like to take, you know, one cup at the very beginning of the line and then another cup at the end mm, of the line, try yep. to drink. A little and go but typically you know if you're only taking one cup per water stop that might not be enough i like to try to take um two cups per water stop if yeah. you can yeah i think it depends on like how you were saying how frequent the water stops are right yeah. so if you know there every mile or two um th like the majors you can probably get away with one cup but i like to i like to a lot of times uh grab one water and then one with electrolyte just so i'm getting both and then um i think to the um, the difference of race day for me at least compared to training is like in training if I'm planning the long run I might only get like uh, two stops in there for water so I'm probably consuming like upwards around like 12 ounces at a time maybe even more but then in the race I'm only gonna be, maybe get like you said like four ounces at a stop or six ounces so I'm getting a little bit less but I'm doing it more frequently so hopefully um, you know it doesn't upset my stomach because in training I'm used to like slamming a bunch at once right so um, that's kind of the, in, so yeah, practicing kind of the way you want it to be on race day, if you can, ideally it'd be nice to have water every couple miles during your long runs. Um, but I know that's not always the case. And so just, um, you know, thinking about when you're going to be getting that is really important too. Right. And that's a really good thing to keep in mind. Um, another thing that you might want to research before you go into this race, some 
marathons are not going to allow you to run with a hydration backpack. Um, they're only going to allow like a handheld water bottle. And we have to keep in mind like a handheld water bottle is not going to hold a ton of fluid. And so if you're someone who thinks you're going to be able to run with a hydration pack, you really want to make sure that the race allows you to do so. Because I know at some of these like bigger marathons, there's a lot of rules and regulations as to like what you can and cannot run with. And they may not allow you to run with that hydration pack. So don't expect that to be um, an option unless you've seen that it's allowed on the course website or on the race website. Um, it's also important, um, it's maybe not as important anymore, but I do know that at the beginning of 2021, I did a few races and there were some like weird rules of people not able to like hand the cups to us oh, yeah. just with like all of the stuff that was going on in 2020 and whatnot um so they were like unmanned water stops and you just had to like stop and grab the cup yourself which is fine but it's just important to know like are they going to be doing this or not because that's going to impact maybe like your pacing strategy well not your pacing strategy but more like your you're just strategy for how you're going to be hydrating right. through the race. And maybe it's more advantageous to be stopping every three to four miles and grabbing the two cups versus like every single mile coming in a complete stop. But these are just things to think about and making sure that there are no surprises on race day, right? So that would be a really bad bummer surprise to find out at mile three of your half that, oh, no one's handing the water cup, so I have to come to a complete stop, and I'm going to have to do that. There, You just don't want to have any sort of, like, panic moments during the race because right. at the end of the day, it didn't really affect my time at all to have to do that. But um, I think that if I didn't know going into the race that they, they weren't going to be there and that it was unmanned, mm -hmm. that it probably would have been a little bit shocking to find out in the middle of your race that no one's there, um, which I don't really think... They, there's any races that are doing that anymore but it could potentially be something at smaller races maybe if they run out of volunteers or whatever yeah and two you think about the way some courses are set up where a water stop might get hit with runners going out and then coming back so it might be like double as busy so thinking about kind of where you're approaching the stop on the course um, and like you said if you notice that it's a smaller race with not a lot of volunteers like make sure that you know you have to think about the fact that it might take you a little bit longer at these stops if they're not fully stop right or if you have to kind of stop and wait or so um and the other thing too is like maybe just if you're not feeling very thirsty and you're going to plan on waiting to the next stop i would just grab a cup drink a few ounces of it so at least you have something and then because you never know what's going to lie ahead at the next stop right or um you know if they run out of fluids or something like that you just never know so it's good to kind of grab it even when you feel like you don't need it so that you're um sort of replenishing as you're emptying the tank definitely and then moving on to like how can we practice this right so it's really important yeah you can know everything that's going to happen on race day in terms of what the course provides all the water stops but you do really need to practice a strategy so that you are prepared on race day um and so some of the things that i hear from people are oh like it hurts my stomach that sort of thing and i think we need to kind of back this up a little bit there's previous podcast episodes that go over like what to eat before your run, how to fuel, all of those things. And so in this podcast, we're not really covering like what to be eating and stuff like prior to your run. But if you're running a marathon, I just want to like add this in here. It's, it's really important to be having breakfast before, having the right type of fuel before your run so that you don't, you know, bonk. So you can you can do all this water stuff perfectly and be hydrated. But if you're not 
also fueled with carbohydrates and all those things, you're not going to be able to reach um, your potential. It's going to be a lot harder for you on race day, right? So that's why it's really important to be fueling correctly, not only with, you know, your hydration, but also with, um, you know, carbohydrates and all that stuff during these long endurance events because your body actually performs better when it is in a fueled um, state and when you're not, you know, fasting or, you know, hungry on a run. Um, so with that being said, I do think sometimes people need to train their, um, train their gut, so to speak, right? You know, if you're not used to drinking water on a run, that can be something that you just need to adapt to slowly over time. And so that's why we say it's really important to practice now. Um, Because I don't really know where everyone's at, right? You could already be at a really great place with your fueling and maybe you don't necessarily like need to practice this as much as someone else. But I think it's something you should be practicing all of the time, right? So regardless of your starting point, maybe you're someone that doesn't drink on (laughs) on any runs. Maybe you're someone that drinks on all of your runs. We want to get to a place where everyone can drink on all of their runs so that, you know, race day goes smoothly. So if you're someone who isn't really doing any of this right now, it's really important to know that you might have to like start with baby steps. So maybe that's drinking a little bit of water before your run if you're not used to doing that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it's stopping every 20 to 30 minutes for a few sips of water. Um, Whereas you want to grow on that. You want to get to a place where you can fully hydrate yourself and your body's actually gonna perform better when it's in a hydrated state versus becoming dehydrated and not having enough water to really fuel yourself through these long runs yeah all good points you know and i think about when i started moving up in distance um i had no experience really running with uh you know even water in my system i would not take water on a 10 mile run or 12 mile run we would just do the run and be done on and i wouldn't take any fuel or goo or nothing like that and so when i started moving up to the marathon i had to make sure like hey um what's going to kind of sit right right and so practicing makes perfect and it's sort of a puzzle figuring out getting the right blend of um you know, fluids and then sodium intake and then some carbs so that you have energy, right? Those are kind of the three things you have to make sure you get enough of while you're running. And so some of those things are going to contain more than just um, one, right? Like your your electrolyte drink is going to contain fluids and it's going to contain sodium. And so, uh, and it could contain carbs as well. So it's just a matter of figuring out, um, am I getting enough of all three? How am I kind of piecing that together making sure that it sits well together too? Um, do I like the taste of a gel better or maybe like something that I can chew on? Um, and then, you know, as far as the liquids, we've talked about that already. So, um, just making sure your body has time to adapt to whatever it is that you're going to take in. Definitely. And then it's also important, like when you're doing a training run, obviously it's not going to be super convenient every time you do a long run to like set up a table with cups. Like we're not necessarily asking you to like practice, um, every single run you have to have like these water cups and stuff. I just think it is important at some point during your training to practice what is it like to hold one of these little Dixie cups or whatever while you're running. Um, It doesn't even necessarily have to be like during your long run, right? And one way that we kind of knock this out for a lot of our athletes is I'll have some of my athletes do like a half marathon um, rate, well, race like in quotations, right? we'll do maybe some of it at marathon pace. And so we really like to practice like the specifics of what are we training for, right? So in marathon training, we're training to run a marathon at a certain pace. And 
we also really want to like practice our feeling strategy all of those things and so the best sort of like simulation for that race day is actually doing a half marathon at marathon pace so you're practicing being around people for that duration you're practicing doing all of the fueling you're practicing your race day outfit there's so many things that are so similar to that marathon day um and then you're just able to really simulate that in your training and yeah some people don't really like that because they're like oh i don't want to do a half marathon at my marathon pace because it's obviously slower than their potential and a half but it's a really good simulation and so i recommend either doing like a not a 10k necessarily but like a 10 miler that would actually be the most ideal right like maybe six to eight weeks out doing a 10 miler at around marathon pace effort um, in the heat it might be a little slower but doing it at marathon pace effort and then really practicing that fueling strategy and that can be a really great way where you figure out am i going to be someone that's maybe just going to walk through some of these water stops am i going to be someone who grabs the cup and you know you just have to know how you go through the water stops you don't really want this to be something that you figure out on marathon race day yeah and the other thing too is you know a lot of times people will say they feel too much you know liquid sloshing around right so mm. you know i did some research and it looks like about six to seven ounces can clear out of your stomach in 15 minutes so um you know that is obviously going to be different for everyone but that just should tell you that you shouldn't you probably don't want to consume like i don't know two full cups or three cups at one station and then wait like 30 minutes or 40 minutes to do that again it's better to take just a cup every at every stop so that you're going through them every 15 20 minutes and i think that that's going to be the best approach yeah definitely and i think doing sips is a really good mm -hmm. thing that i like to do um and that's something that you can practice during your training if you run with a hydration vest um a lot of people will ask that question they'll be like well i'm not planning to run with my hydration vest on race day and i'm like well, that's great because then you're going to lose a little bit of that extra like weight on your back and it's actually at least i find it easier to run without the hydration vest and so if you're running with it um during your training and then on race day you don't have it it's kind of like an added um advantage as long as you're stopping at all those water stops taking sips of water that sort of thing um i think that's something that you can definitely utilize on race day and just you know ditch the vest and make sure you're you're taking in the hydration as you go other things that you might want to keep in mind is as you are pairing this water so you're getting the water constantly throughout the race that sort of thing when are you going to be taking your other source of fuel right so like the edible fuel um, mm -hmm. maybe you're taking like those gel packets maybe you're doing the chews maybe you have some dates or whatever it may be that you are fueling with you really want to pair that up kind of with a water stop and so for me personally i find that it takes me about four to five minutes to actually consume the entire goo packet i mean it's not a goo i use a huma gel um and i i don't like to just like jam it in my mouth otherwise i'll get sick so like it takes me a few minutes to actually consume the entire packet and then immediately when i'm done with the packet i like to try to get water and so mm -hmm. if you plan it that way of okay it takes me about a half mile to do my gel um you can really time it so okay, when do I start my gel? When do I get my water? That sort of thing. And this is where it gets really fun when you put it all together, right? So if you've practiced and training enough times, you start to realize, okay, this is kind of how I do things, right? I like to get this much water every this many miles. 
I like to have my gel and it takes me this long to eat it. Maybe you just slam the gel and you can do it in like 30 seconds, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you get to know your body and yourself. And so this is where it can become fun as we kind of start to gear towards the end of training where you can come up with this fueling strategy for yourself. So you pull up kind of what the race is offering and then you think about what you want to be carrying on you for the race and you put those two things together and you come up with this fueling strategy. Yeah, I'm the same way. I like to have my gel or goo or whatever before a water stop that way I can kind of wash down sort of the chalky taste and whatnot. Um, and so I've even taken salt pills during the race too. So when I'm about a quarter mile out or I mm. see that the water stops up ahead, I start to kind of take, take it out of my foot belt. That's what I carry my stuff in. So it might be like a salt pill in a plastic bag or it could just be a goo. So I'll take that out, open it up, start you know, and I'll keep running. I'll try to keep uh, my pace and cadence the same. And um, even, you know, as I'm getting to the water station, I'm trying to kind of maintain a, a night. You know, I might slow down a little bit because especially you want to make sure you get that fluid. You don't want, you don't want to make sure you knock someone, knock into someone or um, grab the cup and have it fall out of their hands. And so you do definitely need to slow down. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I like the fuel first, then the liquid, and then just kind of settle back, settling back in after that. Yeah, that brings up a really good point. So with the salt sticks... Um, I can't tell you how many times I've dropped those during a yeah, race. Yeah, so, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I think going with extra, right? You always mm-hmm. want to have like one extra fuel, one extra, you know, salt fill, or not even one, like multiple. And extra I'll take extras salt. on the course if I see them, like like cliff shot stations or whatever. Right. I'll just grab an extra gel, even if I'm not gonna take it. But it's nice to have it, have a snatch. Yep. Right. And the other thing to keep in mind, so I'm just pulling up like the marathon I'm doing this fall. Um, so it looks like they're providing honey stinger gels at mile 5, 9, 13, 17, and 21. And then they're also providing fruit on the course at miles 9 and 17. And I'm not going to use any of that, right? So I've, I've never really used a honey stinger before. I don't really care to use them during training. Because here's the thing. I don't know what flavor they're going to have with that. And I'm just like really particular. I'm someone who... In the beginning of my marathoning career, I got like physically ill from fueling with, you know, whatever I was trying in the beginning. And so I just know what works for me. And so while this would be really convenient to not have to carry anything, because literally I would be taking fuel at almost all of those stops, like Mm -hmm. somewhere within the next mile or two, that would be super convenient. I wouldn't have to carry it. But at the same time, I'm like, nope, it's just not worth it. Because like, what if they run out? Or, you know, like, what if it's a flavor that I don't like? You just don't really know what you're getting. Whereas if you're someone who's like, okay, my stomach can handle anything. I can consume anything on this. Maybe that's worth a shot. Um, And then the fruit at 9 and 17, I don't know what type of fruit. It's probably like oranges because it's typically what I see. Um, I probably won't take it, right? But it's good to know that, you know, it'll be there. Just like if you see someone on the course who's like asking you, you kind of know. Um, and then it also says there's like a frozen treat ML, like 23 and 25. So it's just like, I'm not really sure what that is. Um, it could probably like a ice pop or something, but I'm probably also not going to take that either, which, you know, you kind of have to, to know that going into the race, like, yeah, they're probably gonna be offering this and you want to decide before you're in the middle of the race, like, am I going to take this or not? Um, the only exception would be if let's say I like forgot all my gels or like I left them at the hotel. It's like, Ooh, then it, I may use some of the stuff on the course at that point, but I find it kind of risky to 
do something that you've never practiced during training. Um, another thing to keep in mind, right, we want to make sure we've practiced with the electrolytes that they're using on the course. We kind of talked about that before. Um, and then planning for how you're going to be doing that, right? Are you going to be not utilizing that or utilizing that? And then figuring out if you're not using the electrolytes on the course, how are you going to get your electrolytes? Um, and in some cases at some smaller races, the course may be open, like the side streets and stuff where someone can drive and like hand you um, like a little handheld of your electrolyte. And I know in the past we have friends where someone did that at California International Marathon. I would really say, okay, this is going to be an extremely challenging thing to do at a marathon of that size to be able to not only get to those specific locations at a specific time, but also to find you in the crowd, get you your water, all of those things. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Like you don't want to have like grandma Joe, who's like 85 years old, maybe doing this. Like this is, <laughs> this is something that requires like a lot of logistics. It's, it can be maybe a little bit like high, high pressure situation <laughs> here. So you really want to trust whoever's doing this that they have a really good yeah. sense of direction, that they maybe know a little bit about the sport of running and that they can like get you this water bottle. Um, I know that you've done this at a race I did in like 20, 2014 and it worked out fine. I think the only reason that it was worked out okay was because there was literally no one else on the course. It was like a marathon with 70 people. And so it's like, oh, it's really easy to see her. But I know sometimes at the Twin Cities yeah. Marathon, even like you can't, you don't even see me until I'm like already gone because it, there's just so many right. people. Yes. Um, whereas like this person where I'm talking about, I think she ran like 250. So she's she was up a little bit further. Maybe there's not as many people. Um, but I mean, the size of the race is really going to be a factor there in terms of can I get you this water? And you do not want to assume that. Oh yeah, I'll just be able to like drive to this point. No, like if the roads are probably closed or like I'm looking at this Revel course that I'm signed up for and you can't drive up these mountain passes right. if if the uh, race is literally on that road. And so sometimes you really need to just look at the logistics of does this make sense? Can I do this? Um, and maybe you can't, right? And just kind of being realistic with what you can and can't do. Um, and trying to figure out what the best thing to do in terms of your electrolytes. So it might not be realistic. Um, as Chicago, I would definitely not even attempt. But if you yeah, have someone you that's maybe if you're maybe if you've done the race multiple times, you live in the city, like that sort of thing. Maybe, but like I would not. I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, it's definitely fun to think about. You know, my memory from Chicago was I couldn't even find you to throw my gloves at you. I mean, I didn't just, you know? it was crazy. I, I saw I thought, you. I heard you, so I chucked them, but I didn't see but you. So I didn't it's hard yeah. at those big races. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then too, like the when you do plan on having someone bring you like your electrolyte, if you only get it maybe twice during the entire race, you have to ask like, well, you know, I need to make it worth my while, right? So a lot of times you might add in, you might make it more potent. You might add like three scoops of the electrolyte powder so it's like three times as strong or whatnot. But again, you need to train that way so that your gut can handle it. Right. I've made that mistake before where, uh, you know, I read about like Ironman athletes and what they do Ooh. on their bike rides when they're out there for so long because you can only handle like two or three bottles on your bike, right? And so you run low on... On, on that stuff so I, I dumped in a lot of extra electrolytes and then I had GI distress mm. so it's something to really think about like you don't want to just like 
taking a bunch of extra if you if you're not used to getting it you know in right. training because that can cause a lot of like uncomfortable feelings during your race so um, yeah just it's always tough to train and have your training conditions match the race but that's kind of what the goal is right over time dude learn the lesson the hard way and I think that just is a testament to like don't try anything new and I can literally not count how many times that has happened to me like we'll do these training runs with lifetime fitness called like the capital run where three weeks out from twin cities we do this like run and it's it's stocked like there's aid stations um and that's what's really cool right so i'd be like oh great cool like we can just use whatever they have um and they had you can and at the time it's like i had never even used you can right. before so i was like whatever it'll be fine like i won't even hardly take any all it takes is like one cup of something and and you can start to have some you know distress or whatever and i know in the past i had had whoa i've never had this before and when you're taking something for the first time at mile four maybe it's no big deal but if you're really really dehydrated already your body's under a lot of stress and then you're you're grabbing for a cup of something that you think is going to like help you at mile 16 say and you drink it and your body's already like in this state of like oh my gosh you're you're really overdoing it right now and you drink something that you've never had before sometimes that can be the thing that like sends you over the edge and so that is kind of what happened to me at one of those runs right like I went the whole first 16 miles without any of that but then I was like oh I'm just not feeling great and so I just opted to like drink the electrolyte that they had and then it just made me feel even worse um and I think that's a testament to you should start fueling early and often, right? So I see a lot of the times that people will be like, oh, I get really sick during the end of a marathon or like I've thrown up during a marathon before or what's going on here. And so what you need to keep in mind is when you're doing a marathon, you're out there for several hours, um, three, four, five, six hours for some people. When you start to get in those later miles of the race, I know this is like difficult to you know say, but when you're doing that, it's really, really a stress on the body. And when your body is really stressed, it will divert your blood supply from maybe like non-vital areas temporarily to make sure your muscles are getting like adequate blood flow, oxygen, all of those things. So when you're in those very, very later miles of the race or even the second half of the race, what can end up happening is that your digestive system really, really slows down a lot because the blood diverges out of there to your muscles, that sort of thing, because you're asking your body to do a lot here. But when you're at the very beginning of that race, um, everything's kind of working a little bit better, right? And so that's why it's important to start that fueling process early, mm -hmm. even though you don't feel thirsty, even though you don't feel like you need anything. If you start it early, it's almost like you're delaying that clock, right? Of right. when when am I going to get dehydrated? So maybe in a training run, you can go maybe like 16 miles without any fuel or water, yeah. whatever. But if you're in a race and you have to go 26.2 and you're racing it, we need to start fueling very early so that we can delay, 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 delay um, when you would be hitting that wall, right? And so if we're waiting until you're already slightly dehydrated, your body's already under a lot of stress, it's already diverting the blood supply away from your dig digestive system, you're not going to be able to adequately rehydrate yourself when you're already kind of like in that depleted state. Um, you really wanna start early when your body isn't under that stress. And that's why I say it's really important to eat before your run. That's why it's important to hydrate before. 
and even in those early miles like at mile two no one stops at that water stop but i'm i'm the person that's grabbing that cup um i think it's really important to start early and often yeah and i made that mistake back when i first got into marathons and even like half marathons i would go the whole race without basically a water stop um and then i eventually started taking them like later in the race for the half um like mile eight or ten and then my first marathon, I think I waited to mile five or six. And then I just started to realize, like, well, I don't want to wait till I'm, like, thirsty. So I'd rather just right. grab something, have even, like, three ounces of it yeah. at mile two or three. And then just kind of chuck it and go. And so, especially if it's, like, warm, right? You got to think about keeping everything cool. Water helps keep your, your um, you know, your system cool. So you want to make sure that you're, um, you know, grabbing what you can when you can. Right. And I think it's really important to understand like dehydration can like set in fast and you may not have like symptoms when you're slightly dehydrated. Um, even just going on, we've done like an experiment before a couple of years ago where we saw how much like weight and sweat we were losing in like an hour run or whatever. Um, and I think it was like a pound, like I lost like a pound of water weight. So that's like 16 ounces just in a one hour run. And then we had like Ben do it too, coach Ben, and he lost like two and a half pounds. So that's like what is that? The 40 ounces of fluids um, in in like a little over an hour. So keeping these things in mind, right? Like that, I mean, that's a lot of fluid. And so if you have to like replenish that, so that message to me was, okay, if I'm losing 16 ounces of water from running at an easy pace for an hour, that means I should be trying to take in that much. And so that can be like a little experiment you may be doing yourself. That was one of our old um, registered dietitians. She kind of had us do that as a little experiment um, to figure out like how much fueling we really need on our long runs. Um, and granted, this was like in the middle of the summer. And so maybe you're not losing as much fluid like in the winter, those sort of things. But just something to keep in mind. And that's why working with a registered dietitian who specializes in working with marathoners and endurance athletes can be a huge game changer. And back in 2018 was when we hired our first registered dietitian here at Run for PRs. And it's been a really big game changer. A lot of our athletes will utilize our registered dietitians, especially during marathon training, because they're trying to nail down a really solid fueling plan for the race. And sometimes having that one-on-one um, dialogue with a coach where you can figure out, okay, am I getting enough carbohydrates um, even in my day-to-day fueling, right? So maybe you're in the middle of marathon training and you're just feeling like super groggy, run down, like you don't have enough energy. That could just be a fueling error that you're doing maybe in your day-to-day. What are you eating for lunch? What are you eating for dinner? All of those sort of things. Um, so I just love our registered dietitians here and I just cannot express how grateful we are that we have them and that we're able to utilize them for our athletes but also for anyone who's interested so if that's something you're interested in you can go to our website at www.runforprs.com and we have a drop down menu that says work with us and then you can click down on nutrition fill out the form there and our dietitian will be able to reach out to you with more information on that and we also still are offering our free seven day trial for run coaching so if you're interested in working with a run coach towards your goals we'd love to get to know more about you and again you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com and we can send you more information on that free seven-day run coaching trial again that's www.runforprs.com so thanks for tuning in